as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. The man said to Jesus, teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus then looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And when he heard this, the man was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astounded, and they said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals it's impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. On one hand, our gospel reading this morning is all about money. But on the other hand, it really isn't about money at all. And the truth is, no matter how I read this story, it makes me really uncomfortable. It's the kind of story that makes most of us uncomfortable. The kind of story that's hard to hear. And part of the reason it's hard is because we live in a very different world from the one in which Jesus was speaking. It is difficult to figure out how this first century story is meant to fit into our 21st century world full of 401ks and 403bs and pensions and health insurance and 529s and college funds and retirement planning and longer life expectancies and economic systems that simply did not exist when Jesus was speaking. And at the very least, we have to acknowledge that. Because this passage, this command to sell everything and give all the money to the poor 
has often been used like a, like a bludgeon to make people feel guilty and inadequate. And I'm not sure that's fair. For many of us, if we did this, if we sold all our stuff and gave away everything we own, that would mean walking away from some God-given responsibilities to care for our children and our parents, to support things worth supporting, to plan well for the future. I guess what I'm trying to say is that selling everything and giving all that you own to the poor is not the only way to follow Jesus, not even in the Bible. And yet, I don't want to try to soften these words that Jesus spoke or try to explain them away. This story is uncomfortable, and it should be because we can see ourselves in this man who encountered Jesus, this man who was genuine in his desire to live the way God wanted, but who still fell short and who held back when he was asked to commit everything to God. I mean, that's us. This man who did his best to live a good and moral life, but who as a result was pretty self-righteous and overestimated how good he actually was. That, that's us. This man, this man who was rich and who wouldn't or, or maybe couldn't let his riches go even if it meant he'd be a little more free, even if it meant helping others in need. Of course we see ourselves in this man. We're wealthy. I mean, sure, none of us are raking in Jeff Bezos' money, but we're wealthy. We are fortunate and blessed and lucky to live in this country where we have so many economic opportunities. In 2020, which was admittedly a rough year, if you remember, 40% of the world's population, which is roughly 3.3 billion people, lived on less than $5.50 per day. And almost 25% of everyone in this world lived on less than $3.20 per day. We tend to define wealth by comparing ourselves to the people around us, but that can be deceptive, especially since many of us live in a very wealthy area and in the richest country in the world. So while we may not always feel wealthy compared to the family down the street, when we look at all of human history, and even all of the humans who are alive on this planet right now, it is undeniable that we are wealthy. Which means we need to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Every day, we all make decisions about how to make money, how to view money, and how to spend money. We get to decide whether we're going to keep it for ourselves or share it with others, whether we'll feel a sense of ownership or stewardship. We get to decide whether we're going to see money as a means or as an end. 
whether we'll use wealth according to our faith and our values or instead be held captive to it and the materialism and consumerism it encourages. We get to decide if we'll cling tightly to our wealth today out of fear for what tomorrow may bring or if we'll place our trust in God for the future. Listen, if hearing this story causes you to feel convicted about your own use of money, if it encourages you to think about changes you should make, if it stirs up within you a desire to be more generous, if it causes you to examine how you relate to money and the power it has in your life, if it makes you question some of our economic systems and practices that intentionally favor the rich rather than lifting up the poor, if it causes you to wonder why we keep being satisfied with a world where there are so many who are poor, if it makes you want to give away a large portion of what you own to benefit those in need, even if it just makes you uncomfortable, just like it makes me uncomfortable, then that's good. All those responses are the Holy Spirit working within you. And I hope you'll pay attention and listen and follow. Because we all have this same struggle inside of us. The struggle between trusting God and wanting to have control in this life by placing our trust in other things. Martin Luther once wrote, Anything on which your heart relies and depends I say that's really your God. And while a lot has changed since Jesus spoke these words, one thing that has not changed is the temptation to put our trust and our faith in money, to believe that our wealth and our ability to make more of it is what guarantees our safety and protects us and ensures a good tomorrow and gives life meaning while giving us value and worth. Last week, we heard Jesus say that if we want to receive God's kingdom, we have to receive it like a little child, like one who's utterly dependent on others, who fully and often blindly trusts their parents, who cannot do much on their own, but who can only receive. Entry into God's kingdom is something we can only receive as a gift of grace through faith, through trust in Jesus. And wealth is often a huge impediment that gets in the way of dependence and trust, and that makes sense. I mean, if you're wealthy, most of the time you don't really need anything else, do you? And so, of course, it's easy to forget just how much we need and rely on God's grace and provision every day. You know, I can still remember this one conversation that I had while serving at a previous church with a person who was extremely wealthy, like hard for me to wrap my brain around wealthy. A few weeks earlier, their family had gone through an awful tragedy when a little child in their family had had died without any warning. And this person was obviously devastated. And I remember they told me they felt terrified 
because suddenly life was outside of their control. And I realized it was because in that moment, all of their resources, all their wealth wasn't enough. In fact, it was worthless. And my heart broke for them because in addition to their grief, they were also having to confront the reality that their wealth, which usually put the whole world at their fingertips, was powerless. That the control it gave them was just an illusion. That their wealth was, in fact, a poor substitute for God. And they were now being asked, perhaps for the first time, to truly put their trust and faith in God. This story isn't just about money. It's also about our desire for control and about letting go and about where we put our faith and our trust. When this man asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was saying something about where he placed his trust. Come on, Jesus, just tell me how I can earn it what I have to do so God will give me what I want. I've kept every other command perfectly, so just tell me what else there is, and I'll take control, and I'll do it myself. Instead, Jesus told this man to give up all of his control, so he would have to depend on God. See, this guy had it backwards. Eternal life? God's kingdom, knowing God's grace and forgiveness, those aren't things we can control or accomplish or take for ourselves. They belong to God. And we can only receive them like like a child. We can only receive them as free gifts of grace through faith in Jesus. It is impossible for anyone to enter God's kingdom on their own. But the good news is that we don't have to. Jesus has brought God's love to us. Jesus has brought God's healing and forgiveness and grace to us. Jesus has opened wide the door to God's kingdom and invited all people in, including us. Whether rich or poor, whether devout or full of doubt, whether self-righteous or knowingly lost, Jesus has invited us in, invited us to let go of our desire for control and instead to trust and experience that what is impossible for us to accomplish on our own is infinitely possible through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And to be honest, normally I would probably end a sermon right here. I mean, this is pretty decent, for my first Sunday back preaching after parental leave. That wasn't a joke, Linda. Why are you laughing? (laughs) But, But this week, there's one more thing that I want to mention. I believe that one of the reasons Jesus spends so much time in the Gospels talking about the dangers of wealth is because it often insulates us from the needs of this world and from feeling a sense of connection and empathy towards those who are most needy in this world. We've created a society where rich and poor rarely need to interact, where we can go about our daily lives 
without having to encounter someone who's hungry or homeless or destitute. And that's dangerous. It can lead to hardened hearts and a sense of apathy towards those who are poor and in need. And Jesus constantly calls us to care for those who are considered lost and least and lowly and to draw them into God's community of love. And I mention this because this past week, I was part of multiple meetings devoted to planning for the resettlement of roughly 500 Afghan refugees in the greater Worcester area. These poor people have nothing. They've lived through cruel and violent war and some oppressive and corrupt governments, and now they've had to flee in fear for their lives as their country collapsed amidst our nation's disastrous actions. They need help. They need temporary places to live and money to get back on their feet and people who will provide transportation and answer day-to-day questions and who will just love them as they try to settle in a new place with the hope of building a safe and more prosperous life. And over these next few weeks, our church is going to plan how we can help. And then we're going to invite you to join in. And I hope that when we do, you remember these words Jesus spoke. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor. I know that command feels impossible and unrealistic for most of us. Perhaps this is a way that we can work to fulfill it together. Amen.